Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Ready for a digital dive? You're listening to the GZ Chop Shop Podcast, the weekly tech and gaming media podcast that breaks down the latest news, lore, and more. So plug in, because the GZ Chop Shop starts now. Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of the GZ Chop Shop. I am your host, Project Itachi, joined by my good friend and co-host, War Nurse. And as always, we have an amazing episode lined up for you guys. But before you dive into this episode, make sure to visit the GZ Shop com and grab yourself some exclusive merch we have some amazing things in store new items coming out each and every week and we have a spring sale running right now so make sure to go check that out I promise you guys are gonna love it up to 20 percent off go check it out right now and then come back to the episode now without further ado let's get to it what are we talking about this week so Last week, we got into something heavy about the Restrict Act. This week, I wanted first to do something a little bit lighter. But when I say just in terms of just tech and gaming, the, the news has just not been great. Just, just not great. Nintendo, Nintendo pulled a Microsoft, in my opinion, and that does not make me happy to say. So I don't know if you know what happened on Monday, the, the 27th of March. Um, and this is pretty much, if you're a gamer and you've ever played a Nintendo, this hurts. So on March 27th, Nintendo quietly, they kind of put out a notice, but if you weren't looking for it, you did not see it. But on March 27th, Nintendo shut down their e-store for their 3DS and older console family. Now on paper, you think, well, yeah, 3DS, Nintendo Wii U, the Wii, they're all old. Why would they keep the store open? I'm gonna explain why this is actually detrimental, especially if you are a collector. The eShop, the current eShop for the Nintendo Switch, unless you pay for the subscription service month to month or year to year, your access to their classic library is non-existent. Unless you own those consoles and you have bought those games prior and you are saying, oh man, I wish I bought that game back in the day, but I didn't, I'll I'll, I'll get the Nintendo subscription. There's only about 150 games of their 150 classic games made available to you right now if you're on a Switch. Someone went, when they got the notice that the Nintendo was shutting down their eShop, someone went, he's a YouTuber, I do not remember his name, and he bought the entire library 
of 3DS and Nintendo console games, the entire library. The, the amount of time that that probably took, because there's not really a select all. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, there's no like select all button. I think he said it took him about an entire year to do that. It ran him $22,000. Damn. $22,000. Now, I think when he divided that up among the game, it was like, well, almost like 2,000 games. Maybe maybe under like like 1,500, something like that. It was almost 2,000 games he bought. Their current library only makes 150 of those games available for a subscription. So why does this why does this suck? You you probably ask. How are you going to play any of those classic Nintendo games now going forward? How will you access them? Unless you bought them the day they came out years ago. But on your current gen or pre-gen hardware, how will you play any of those games? And mind you, this guy donated that entire collection to the video game history library. I, I don't know if that's the proper acronym, but it, it, they basically collect video games for prosperity purposes, especially in this day and age when everything is going digital and it's losing its value. They basically collected so there is a record that they existed in the first place. But now you there, you know, with cartridges and 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 discs slowly fading out, there's no, hey man, can I borrow that game so I can actually play it? There's there's none of that. So now we as gamers are cut off from like almost a thousand games that were available until about a week ago. That paints a picture that we've talked about many times about the problem with gaming going digital. When they finally just say, eh, we want to pull the plug. All that money, all that time invested is just gone. Yeah, I learned it the hard way when I, I had so many classic uh, PlayStation 1 games on my PS3. And then... Uh, None of that transferred over to the PS4. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they shut the PS3 store down. And then, you know, my PlayStation 3 crapped out eventually. I mean, it got to be like 12 years old. Um, and then you can't play them anymore. And, and now if I want to play any of those games, uh, I could either spend the money on a, an original PlayStation 1 and the discs, which some of those games go for a lot of money now. Mm -hmm. Or I could get a... On the PS5, some of those games are available, and I can buy them again. Again. Because they're not counting it from your original purchase. And, and retro value has skyrocketed. Like, a lot of retro games that ran for maybe a few bucks, they're going up in price because of how gaming is marketed now. Everything's digital. So, with Nintendo cutting off their their e-store and even with sony it's this it's the same thing um we're cut off from from all of those all of those games they're just gone and it paints a scary picture for five maybe even 10 years from now those games you spent a hundred dollars and game prices are going up if you're spending 70 dollars a game you download it digitally and then five, 10 years from now, 
when the consoles have moved on and they shutter their stores, you know, they say, oh, you'll still be able to re-download games you already bought. I Yeah, how long is that going to last before they fade that out? And then it's literally just, you know, investment gone. All of it just just gone. And then what made a lot of people upset that were tracking Nintendo's uh, shuttering of the eShop was in the FAQ, people were asking, do you have any plans to move those libraries to the Switch, to, to anywhere? And Nintendo just blatantly said, yeah, we've got no plan to do anything with the older games. So they're just gone. Because they may or may not be released at another time, maybe in the future on, on the next Switch or the next platform. As a or subscription some other, some other method as a subscription service. Or some of those games will, you know, maybe they'll be not through a subscription and you can just purchase them. However, oh, again. but again, um, but yeah, it's on, on one hand, I, I understand it a little bit when it comes to the upkeep of the servers, I'm sure it costs money to keep X amount of things and information and data on a server to be available. However, we're talking about a very, very wealthy gaming company for one who I'm sure gets plenty of money from subscriptions and downloads and games. And we obviously we all know that the switch has not done poorly at all since it released. It, it's, it's actually done the best ultimately in sales uh, all around. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, I don't get it. Uh, I understand it from a business aspect, like from that perspective. Uh, but ultimately it's just, gonna cost everyone more money if you want to play that game and you have to find the loopholes or you know buy older gaming systems and find the hard copy and it's it sucks we've truly left it like if you if you wanted to start being a collector now it's kind of too late yeah because if you wanted to be a collector you should have you would have had to have done it uh growing up or maybe 10 years ago to start collecting because all those things that have been collected over the past couple of decades are now for the most part, much harder to get. And a lot of it is much more expensive, especially when it comes to the games that were more rare. That's why I'm glad I held on to my, as you can see in my background, my Nintendo 64, my PSP, my Vita, all of my three DSs, because I learned after I traded in my GameCube that this stuff wasn't going to stick around and last forever. And I made that mistake. I traded in my GameCube. Granted, I traded in for a Wii, but I learned after I said, dang, I miss my GameCube. I wish I had kept my GameCube. Wii is amazing, but it was just something about the GameCube that was special. And I, so many I'll times I forget I the first it. time I played Resident Evil Zero on the GameCube. Chef's Kiss. Resident Evil the 4. game was creepy. So... Yeah, it sucks because the stuff that we get now will not have the same value as the stuff from, you know, the the originators. Oh, they they've truly they they've they've put an end to uh uh collection uh collect collecting collecting um yeah. and and collectors. Uh, it's no longer really viable if you haven't already started and you don't already have a big collection. It's going to be incredibly difficult for you to do that. And going forward, there's really nothing to collect besides the console itself. And, and the parts but as far as the games go you can't collect them anymore not really and they don't make the parts as sturdy because my sense 64 i've had this since i was a child like 10 years old i can still run that thing 
I get my plug, I get my RF cable, and boom, I can play a game. Granted, it hurts my eyes because I don't know how we were able to visualize those graphics back in the day. Those polygons are so sharp, they cut my eyes. <laughs> they are blocky. But you know what? It worked. We loved it. And the machine reworks. But these modern machines, they're not built to last. They're way, yeah, they got more sophisticated parts and they do so much more, but they're meant to have a shelf life intentionally to just like a car to get you to come back and buy another one and keep it going. Keep the money infinite. If they could put live service consoles somehow, make that a thing, they would. And that's like what they're doing with gaming, which leads me into the next topic. Live service gaming. I hate live service gaming. I, in theory, on paper, sounds wonderful. Your games constantly get updated. The world constantly evolves. It's this great experience. The stories expand. You don't have to buy a new game, except it was actually, it's actually cheaper and easier to just buy a new game. Because when you look back in hindsight, unless they pull a No Man's Sky, which No Man's Sky owed its players and they owned up to it and they, gave us the game they said they were going to give. So it's a $60 game and you're getting a lot now. If you buy No Man's Sky now, you're getting more than a, most AAA $70 games are going to give you. But granted, they've had years to expand on it and blah, blah, blah. But that's what games should be like. In my opinion, you pay your fee, you buy the game, and then they expand on the world. They get the, the funding. They keep expanding on the world. But then you get games like Destiny, Genshin Impact, Fortnite, um, what? and then even failed ones that didn't get far. And then they just get shuttered like Anthem and Babylon's Fall. You know, all live service gaming that basically became predatory. Battle passes, skins, little perks, a couple dollars here, a couple dollars there. You think, oh, this isn't so bad. I spent $3 here. No biggie. The game was free. And then once the game runs its life cycle course and they say the servers are shutting down, the game is done. And you look at what you spent. Because if you think you won't spend any, you are sadly mistaken. The only time you won't spend money in a live service game is you did not like the game. If you like the game, you're going to eventually spend money. And when you look back and think, oh man, I got to play this game for free and I actually only spent exactly what it costs to buy a game. <laughs> Even if it's over a lifetime, you still spent, if not more. And for what? Because now it's all gone. I would love for someone who from the inception of Fortnite that still plays Fortnite to the day Fortnite ends or the day they walk away. I would love for someone to show over the lifetime how much money they spent on Fortnite. I would love to see that. Like someone who's just like, you know what? I actually look back to see how much money I spent on Fortnite. One game. Fortnite's one of those things. I, I know I've told you before. Uh, if, 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 I, if I had the Dragon Balls, I would uh, <laughs> I would delete Facebook, all of them. I'd delete all of Meta. I would delete Walmart, and I would delete Fortnite, like from existence. 
Because what was the average like a month? Eighty dollars. I think for like four. Yeah, we looked it up before and it was uh, depending on the source. It was between like eighty five and like one hundred eleven dollars a month. Uh, a month was the average. That was the average somebody spends a month. Uh, bro, that's that's. <laughs> That's a bill. That's a bill. <laughs> like that, that's a whole ass bill. You're that's paying. a whole ass bill. Heck, I love it, gaming, but <laughs> no game has like, like gotten me to like want to spend any amount of money extra on them outside an occasional expansion. I refuse to call them DLCs <laughs> in my head. D- expansions. I'll be pod. That's a positive word for me. An expansion, even though we all know that the DLCs are not really expansions. They're not. Yeah. DLC DLC back in the day was expansion. The only reason consoles didn't call them expansions is because the PCs own, they, they coined that world of Warcraft Diablo. They coined that term because which I'll give it to world of Warcraft, despite the, the route they've gone down with the, the, the basic, basically it's pay for like play to pay bullshit. Their expansions are still expansions. Like they're not DLCs. Like they, they are expansions. I'll give them that. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, don't get me wrong. There's games that I do invest in, but they're, they hold tried and true. Like I don't play world of Warcraft, but I do play final fantasy 14 because they do expansions and it's a solid, in my opinion, it's 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 been a solid investment because I don't really have to invest that much into it. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know, I can, I can totally see a company remaking the legend of the Dragoon. And for all, for, for some of you guys who've never played that game, it was, uh, it's a a RPG, very, very similar, uh, really to like, uh, like, Final Fantasy and stuff back on the PlayStation one had a very niche following. And I think it's grown considerably over the, over the decades. Um, but there's a, a big push from the community to remake that game. And as it should, it's, it's a, it's an amazing classic. It's one of my favorite classics, but it was four discs on the PlayStation one. <laughs> I can totally see a company coming out and being like, all right, here's the remake. But, uh, disc two, three, and four also going to be DLCs. Like I can see that being a fucking thing. Have you seen the, have you heard the jokes about ever since Budokai made its comeback trailer announcement, the internet blew up with excitement, but then the meme started and I'm like, they're not wrong. And this proves that it's not just us overanalyzing that everyone knows this is a problem. And it was one TikTok I remember I watched. The guy was like, trying to play Budokai with his friend. And he was like, all right, let's get this character roster. And it was all the low tier characters like Chaozu and Paul and like people that you never really saw fight in the series. So he's like, all right, well, where's Goku? And it was like, get the Saiyan fighter pass now. 
And he was like, what? <laughs> and then he went to do the, uh, the, 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 <laughs> the Kamehameha. And <laughs> it was like, unlock the Kamehameha DLC. And I was like, oh my gosh. Gone are the days where you popped in a game and just whooped each other's asses and everything was already there at your disposal to do so. Imagine getting your ass beat in that game and it's because they had the DLCs and the and the Saiyan Dude. game pass and you did not. Dude, just like you were, like, you were stuck playing Yamcha, getting your ass beat by fucking Beerus. Yep. You're, you're playing, yep, you're playing Chaozu and and they just come at you with Ultra Instinct Goku who just does the come at me in your face. You didn't get the destruction <laughs> pass. They paid to win. Jesus. But you know, and I was and I was talking with Bernie and and I guess I guess he's like more adaptable to it than I am. I'm stubborn. I'm like, no, because this was never a thing before. You know how you got characters in the game? You unlocked them by earning them. You now, went through some bullshit. Did it did it give you all the characters in the game? In the original Budokai's? Oh, no, in the original Budokai, yeah. I'm talking about the new one coming out. We don't know. We that's the thing. That's why everyone's like like everyone was like excited. Yeah, the, the company's probably heard and they were like, oh, hmm. They're on to us. They're on to us. Because I'm <laughs> like, I'm sitting here thinking about We'll like, know they're okay. on to us if the game gets pushed back. Oh, if the game gets pushed back, that, yeah, they're probably going to change that. Because like. Like, all right. They they found us out. That's And that's the whole thing that like made Budokai so. Budokai was the, the Dragon Ball game as close as you could get to those intense fights, open world, destructive environments, all the transformations, tons and tons of characters for no reason, but you loved it because it was the, you were in dragon ball. You went, I grew up fighting with my brother over that game, man. It it was amazing. Amazing. The amount of controllers. I saw that kid. I mean, granted we were like, you know, 10 and he had, he he wasn't very happy about, I kind of nagged him on, you know, like brothers, we talk shit, right? But man, it would always turn, it would always, we, we, we'd play the Budokai and I think it was like Budokai 2 and, you know, a lot of shit talking, especially for me, everyone would get angry and then we would just go outside and play. You know, I think I, after today, I think I'm going to bust out my PS2 and play Tenkaichi, Budokai Tenkaichi 3. <clears throat> Cause when they hit the Tenkaichi era, I was like, yeah. Cause I had Budokai too. Also who remembers this is to, to anyone listening. Who remembers the struggle of trying to get your hands on a Budokai game back in the day for the longest time I would try when I finally got a GameCube, I was like, I can finally get my own copy of Budokai too. My buddy Tristan would always bring over his Budokai too. And I love that game. I played his game so much that on my memory card, I had every character unlocked and I hated it when I had to give it back to him. I, and I was like, I got to get my own version. And it took me like a year to finally find a pre-owned copy. And then I had to pray that it worked because no one was getting up off of their Budokai games. No one. Yeah, you didn't have, there wasn't like online back then. You couldn't just go online and like yeah. easily find a copy and just pay whatever money for it. And a lot of people were like, I'm not putting in all this work of unlocking every single character in this game and then trade it in. That was an achievement before achievements. <laughs> you got all trade in your, 50. Trade, trade in your hard work, man. Yeah, like nobody was doing that. Nobody was doing that. 
thousand hours unlocking all these characters and you want me to trade my game in? What is it about Nintendo controllers that just feel so much more efficient with fighting games? Ooh, I feel like for some reason in my head, I was like, I feel like Burn would have a debate on with that one. I okay. One thing though, Mortal Kombat, I don't feel would translate well to a Nintendo controller, but that's probably just because I've always played it on the PlayStation. But there's a lot of fighting games I grew up playing, and I just always felt better about them like like they were just easier the gamecube the nintendo and the gamecube especially the gamecube was very unique because it's funny that you mentioned mortal kombat not translating well and my very my not the switch very first not the switch layout like not the, talking no, like not, not the not the well the gamecube and n64 i just really i i they were efficient controllers N64 was weird to me, but GameCube, I played Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance, if anyone remembers that game, and Mortal Kombat Deception, which was the sequel. And I played both of those on the GameCube, and I actually did pretty well. I don't know. I think something about the A button being supersized just seemed better. Like combos felt more doable. I'm sure Byrne will have some opinions on that. Oh, absolutely. He was, I'll uh, see him in chat. Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. let's talk controllers Burn, and fighting games. Burn is definitely like PlayStation. Like he, you know, he has, he, he plays on every console. He's, he, he's owned every console. I think if I know him as well as I think I do, I think he would prefer the PlayStation console and the Dreamcast for fighting games. Um, the Dreamcast. Oh, yeah. Dreamcast had a very good design for fighting games. And a lot of people, they remember this. He and I were actually talking about it uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, the original Soul Calibur game, Soul Blade, was on Dreamcast. And they actually had quite a, they actually had like a nice little library of fighting games on there. And I just wish the Dreamcast could get a comeback. Dreamcast was ahead of its time. Can I just, like, can we, like, just, can we get, like, dreamcast back like a modern dreamcast same same concept but modern it won't happen i know oh my gosh dreamcast because i never got to own one and it was gone it was done by the time i was actually able to pay i thought uh didn't didn't sega own the dreamcast Mm -hmm. sega dreamcast That's that's out. That's definitely out. Yeah. And and they're like in a, out of the question. I think they're like in a permanent partnership with Nintendo. Yeah. So Nintendo's not they were, like they were bought. Like, like they were they're partnered and, and bought off, man. Yeah. Oh, man, those are the good what old days. Would, I wonder what a what a modern day Sega system would, would be like if, if they were still in the game. It would have a screen that people think no one would use because it was funny because people complained about it back then. But now, like when you look at it, I remember when I was still in the Navy and one of the guys would come to work every day, he brought his Dreamcast. <clears throat> so during lunch, we were playing worms on the Dreamcast. And that was like one of the few times I actually got to start playing a Dreamcast. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, if no one knew better, you could you would not be able to tell that this is from the 90s today. Update the time, screen man. on the controller to color and touch. It would work today. That system would work 
today. Like you wouldn't even need to change the external design, swap out some of the internal parts, maybe put replace, you know, the drive with an SSD. It could be, it could have been one of the first digital, all digital consoles, honestly. Because if you, a Dreamcast today, if they did it, the base console could have been completely digital. With the option, you could still do disc, I guess, like if they wanted to keep the disc on for collector value. And as we complain about digital. We're yeah, like, as we well, complain about digital. you know, digital. Dreamcast was doing it pretty well. The Dreamcast <laughs> was doing it because that memory card was a portable game in itself that was in yeah. the controller. So you could have the console be disc slash digital to fit modern day standard. The controller itself with the screen that was the size of a, a old school cell phone could double as memory and portable gaming. Give it its, 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 its extended battery life, unplug that thing, and you could like have a word save certain games, like, you know, based on the size of your memory cards. So if they wanted to make money, sell expandable memory cards, expandable screens. Boom. Slot that into your controller. And you could basically have like a Steam Deck, but it's all one console. Play with your friends. Oh, you're, you got to go on a road trip. Oh, you're on your way to, you know, you're, you know, you're on your school bus. Take your controller. Your game console is now with you. And it's already, you know, it would have been a Vita before a Vita. A Switch before a Switch. Dreamcast. Damn, looking back, I wonder if they Switch got the idea from Dreamcast. I think they paved the way for a lot of innovation. And I think that's why they were ultimately uh, bought out. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Dreamcast could have beat this, beat the switch to, to what it is now. Cause that's what the switch just basically did. That's literally what the switch did. And the Dreamcast could have <laughs> like describing the switch, talking about what the Dreamcast could have been. You're like, Oh my God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but look how long it took Nintendo to do it. And Dreamcast was already halfway there years ago. And the switch did it. What? 2015. Dreamcast was out in the 90s. Had Dreamcast been able to stick around, a modern day Dreamcast would have probably been mind boggling. Is the Switch already that that old? Switch is pretty old. Yeah, I think the Switch is either 2017 or 2016. Wow. Because I think I got mine. I got on the Navy in 2017. I think I got mine like 20... 18 early 2018 it had already been out for like a year or two oh yeah march march 2017 man march 2017 we're, yeah we're, we're six years in yep year seven is usually when a company starts showcasing their new one yeah and there's been rumors that nintendo's got a something in the works everyone's calling it a nintendo pro but we I blame Sony for that term. <laughs> if they were smart, they would just make it the switch too and allow everything to be transferable, transferable like over mm. no issues. It would just be an updated switch too. So I just want to ask as a final thought, what do you think a switch two would look like? Probably the same fucking thing. And they would just change a couple of colors. Like honestly, would they name one Nintendo console that, looks like its predecessor but name one name one nintendo console that's been as innovative as the switch has been 
like it, there's little Lee. debate there with how with how good the switch really is and and how well it transfers from console version to just being in the palm of your hands like it's it's truly a really great design so i know to, a lot of to people- go above that would be I'm, I'm sure it's possible i don't look at me i don't i don't invent this shit but i it's just i can't think of like what they would do to like make it that much more incredible besides software well yeah on, and, and, and hardware i mean like I, I wouldn't sleep on the Wii. The Gu the Gu Cube. The Gu Cube. <laughs> the GameCube. <laughs> We're just making up. We're just making up systems now. Yeah, don't hey, if anyone uses that, I said it here first. I expect royalties. Um the GameCube was pretty innovative. People gave it shit back in the day because back then we didn't know any better. But to this day, people are like, damn, I love that system. It was actually really amazing. The Wii was a good transference because they had backwards compatibility. It was such a sleek design. Everyone wanted it. You couldn't get it for almost like a year after it came out. It wasn't as bad as the PS5 because things weren't as bad back then. But the Wii paved away. Motion, in-game. Xbox with their Kinect couldn't nail that. But the Wii was actually pretty good. Nobody liked the Wii U, not because it was crappy hardware, but just they didn't have a great library of games and they didn't import a lot of the Japanese games to us, but they had the handheld concept. Start your game on the TV, transfer it to your dock, your your mobile handheld, and you can keep playing. Parents want to use the TV. Kids can keep playing the game. Everyone's happy. That was innovative. Thought outside the box. So they, you know, they keep evolving. And I'm like, yo, what's the next thing the Switch going to be? A projector? (laughs) Wristwatch? Like, I I would be kind of curious to see where Nintendo goes in their design. The Switch wrist. Switch wrist. Also coining that, royalties. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. But anyway, that's all the time we've got for this episode. Um kind of kind of going down the uh rabbit hole that if you if you guys didn't get any games from the nintendo shop unfortunately the only way to get them is roms we'll be very careful about that if roms are still a thing you know nintendo's big on piracy so it's weird that they would cut off access to their games but then get mad if you pirate them i don't know nintendo commences to pirate old games hang on (laughs) Yeah, the tone is weird. The tone is weird. But anyway, we'd love to hear your thoughts as always. Visit our website, osntacmedia.com. Leave us your thoughts on the show page for the Jeezy Shop Shop. And once again, do not forget to visit thejeezyshop.com and check out all of our merchandise from apparel, drinkware, tons of new stuff added each and every week. And we've got a spring sale going right now. So make sure to go and check that out. Anyway, you guys have been amazing. Thank you for spending your time with us. Take care of yourself and each other. We'll catch all you wonderful people on the next podcast. Later. What's up, everyone? Project Itachi here. Did you enjoy the show? If so, think about supporting us on Patreon or Acast for exclusive perks, content, and more. Also, visit our store, thegzshop.com. You can find all of our links on our website, osn-media.com. Until next time.